0: Hey gang, it's kinda noisy in here right now, the boy's taking a shower, the water's hissing, but I just wanted to stick this quick message on the beginning. I recorded today's show before I got my Kickstarter going, so I pasted a new promo I made uh, yesterday for Starship Sofa onto the end of this show. I'm sorry that I'm gonna keep bugging you for a couple of weeks, but honestly, if Hive 5 is gonna happen, it'll be because of you. It's a mango kinda novel for mango kinda people. And as of this recording, there are still a couple of hundred dollar deals left where you can make me produce a personalized mango just for you on the cheap. The link's in the show notes, so when the show is done, go do that, and now let's do this. Hello my bangers and mash, this is your hanging mustache host, Matthew Sanborn-Smith, and his wrangling no-cash podcast, Beware the Hairy Mango. Today's story is all about tasting all that life has to offer, even if it isn't edible. If you taste so much that you get excited and squirt your lubricant across the room, you may have to clean up some window jelly. Window Jelly by Matthew Sanborn Smith. Pam Love Jam grape jam, strawberry jam, pearl jam tomato jam, bubblegum jam, toe jam finger jam, parsley jam, jam jam potato jam, Scottish terrier jam Scottish astronaut jam, barbecue chicken jam and more strawberry jam. But her favorite jam of all was door jam. She carried a jam knife with her wherever she went and scraped the finest door frames in the city onto her toast which I probably should have mentioned she also always carried wherever she went. She never hit the streets without a couple of loaves of toast. But her passion for door holders was tearing apart the city she loved. Doors everywhere were falling off of their buildings, and crime was rampant. She might have noticed at her own home, had she owned anything worth stealing, she didn't even own a toaster and instead went to the toast market every morning to buy freshly caught toast. But a plucky detective soon connected Pam to the crime wave using the door jam DNA. This wasn't so odd for the wooden jams as there is tree DNA, but for the steel door jams, it was mind-blowing. His work led to a paternity test that proved a certain tablespoon was the illegitimate son of an elevator door in Cincinnati. Mori Povich was ecstatic, mostly because he longer had to pay spoon support. All of this DNA was rolling around in Pam's stomach, and she was soon in a prison cell with no door jam. Pam wasn't so upset about the loss of her freedom, but she was upset about the lack of jam in prison. The closest they came to it was some hardened maple syrup in a bottle someone forgot to cap. But Pam never said die. She also never said submarine. These words just never came up in everyday conversation, especially since she lived in a part of the country that called them hoagies. Pam stole a knife from the prison knife depository and secretly scraped everything in sight, including her knees when she she fell down. None of her scrapings captured the delights of door jam until she discovered window jelly. She filled her belly and escaped, and soon windows across the city were smashing to shards on the floors and sidewalks below. This time, burglars protected Pam because she made their jobs easier. It didn't matter, though, because the fuzz discovered nothing could contain her, especially after she found wall preserves, but something had to be done. Some smart person figured the only way to keep Pam from dismantling civilization was to tempt her with something even better, a crack team of chefs, architects, and contractors were sequestered in an underground bunker and ordered to construct something both functional and delicious. They knew no mere building would distract Pam from an entire city. She needed novelty. She needed a challenge. She needed companionship. They created a giant woman that utilized an entire year's worth of California's orange harvest. They constructed a 500-foot marmalady. Pam's notice was indeed taken. No amount of toast could contain this magnificent creation. As far as Pam was concerned, the city could go fuck itself. She and her new lady ran off together to destroy Tokyo. But her home city, whichever one it was, wasn't satisfied even after it had fucked itself. It had gotten a brief taste of the marmalade and wanted one of its own. The team of experts made billions constructing giant food people, from the 500-foot soft-boiled Egbert to the 499-foot Flap Jackson. He was self-conscious about his height and felt the need to explain to everyone everyone that his creators couldn't afford a 500-foot skillet at the time. If this story gooed up your breakfast plate, you can poach it and other illegal game at the web address of the eggy mess, Harrymango.com. It's time for mail! Email beware the hairy mango, it takes more than one to tango, the only other rhyme is durango, unless you stretch Mustango. John writes... Hi, MSS. My phone randomly decided that it did not have enough of your podcast on it, so it started re-downloading all episodes from number one. What is a man to do when the most important thing in his life makes a decision for him but to go with it? I am re-listening to all your old episodes. They are just as good the second or third time. Thanks for the laughs, cringes, and perplexed looks. You're welcome, John. As you already know, because I replied to you by email, but I'm saying it here because I need to fill out this segment, your smartphone has been upgraded to the smartest phone. You might want to listen to those old episodes at double speed so they sound like the later ones thanks for digging it and now you must listen to yourself. are you still listening? Musical email interludes by David Bradshaw at davidbradshawmusic.com If you want to get in on this shit, swarm delightedly in the comments for this post or honey, be mail me and we'll make sweet, sweet hive at matthew at bewarethehairymango.com or sit through the credits waiting for the world's worst stinger at bewarethehairymango at gmail.com Whenever sfsignal.com is served on the rocks, the SF and SF Signal stands for Sagacious Foghorn. The horn that blasts to only the ships that we like the most. Like friendship and partnership. and offshore gambling ship. It lets all the shitty ones smash again against the rocks like dictatorship and censorship and citizenship wait crapo we needed that last one to get back home <sighs> Somebody get the glue. Bumble over to Tumblr and suck up all of our goodness at BewareTheHarryMango.tumblr.com. I repost the stuff of other people of varying taste, but hey, the entire internet is a gamble when you really think about it. If this doesn't work for you, climb into bed and sleep through the rest of the winter. Donate from your prostate and put everyone's favorite chakra to work doing something other than pleasing yourself and your lovers. Hit the donate button on the Homeo Where Art Thou page and massage yourself into my benefactor. My benefactor told me he's sweet on you. This podcast slips peacefully from an outbound, aboveboard, underground, tall boy short round over compensating throughway with a high ball in one hand and a low-key attitude, an inward-facing around-town below-deck undercarriage, and an alpha male and omega ruby creative commons attribution on commercial share alike 4.0 international license. Until you can spell Nebraska without the bra, which would be Nesca, I guess, this will rove the hinterlands in a manner not unlike Matthew Sanborn Smith and remind you, the devil is in the retails. Good night. Everyone was covered in either blood, kisses, or barbecue sauce. Sammy's recipe for barbecued chaos. 1. Decide you want a nice little party at your house. 2. Forget for a moment that you're part of a hive mind with 56 other people. Not a very good hive mind, admittedly, but good enough that those 56 other people simultaneously decide they want a nice little party at your house. You do have the biggest yard in the Treberhood, of course. Nearly an entire limb to yourself, since you convinced the Amumway family there was such a thing as a cybernetic squirrel festation, thanks to the loan of your friend Barry's traveling squirrel zoo, some manufactured doodads from your garage forge, and a hot blue gun. The Amumways folded up their house and moved it two levels down that same afternoon. 3. Allow your now enormous party to be crashed by the rest of the Treberhood, who, for some reason known only to God's clone, have become more affectionate than spawns pawning salmon at a grizzly bear swingers party. 4. Remind yourself you have to get better at creating metaphors, but in your defense there is a half-love, half-fist fight free-for-all going on in your yard at the moment. Hello everyone, my name is Matthew Sanborn Smith. You know, the hive mind has been a science fiction trope for decades, from Theodore Sturgeon's To Mary Medusa, to Star Trek's Borg, to Twitter. The weird thing is, all of these hive minds really seem to have their acts together, like there's no awkward training period involved. I'm hot to write a weird and funny science fiction novel called Hive Five, that's H-I-V-E space F-I-V-E, about a hive mind that's not very good at being a hive mind. Forget world domination, these people can't even handle neighborhood domination. In fact, when a literal love machine moves into the neighborhood, it soon rips control of the local homeowners association right out of our hero's many hands. The best defense they can mount is a rush of poorly coordinated violence. But really, isn't that a hell of a lot more fun than Robert's Rules of Order? If this sounds like your idea of a good time, head over to Kickstarter and check out Hive 5. If we can come together better than my hive mind can, you can have this story in your hot little hands this summer. Join me. Resistance isn't yet as futile as we're hoping it will be once things are settled down.